to the Influencer Marketing Blueprint, where we teach e-commerce brands the three-step formula that drives revenue, not just likes. I'm Cody Wittick. And I'm Taylor Lagasse, and we're here to guide you to influencer marketing success. Let's get started. All right, guys. I'm back from my travels, Nippon, Japan, and we're back with another episode today. We're just going to cover some questions, rapid fire questions that are common in influence marketing and just in general in the marketing world. And also we asked our lovely audiences on Twitter to send in some questions. So we'll get to those as well. I'm sorry, we're not going live. This isn't a live podcast. We're way too professional for that. So (laughs) this will be, (laughs) this will be two weeks delay for some of these people that will be hearing these questions, but Taylor, what's up, man? Just missed you, man. I'm just happy to be here on the video with you, talking to you. I love it. I missed you. It's good to be back. How's Cashville, Nash Vegas? I haven't actually gone down to, to downtown Nashville. Probably won't for a while. But the immediate vicinity and local suburbia has been fantabulous. Fantabulous. Wow. That's a word. Any questions on your end, man? Like any just big time questions you're rolling around and just can't answer in the influence marketing space? We got plenty in, in the queue here if we just want to go straight to the queue. <laughs> All righty. Well, some of these questions are from that we've heard traditionally in the past and they wouldn't make sense for an entire episode necessarily. And we might just spend all our time on one and then maybe that actually I'm proven wrong. But number one here is... What about rev share or brand equity deals? So I guess context for people out there is like brand equity deals as far as working with influencers, bringing them as equity holders into your business or actually a revenue share deal with an influencer. So I'll just leave it at that and let you speak to it, Mr. Lagasse. Yeah, my only experience with this of where it was actually like a thing that brands like came and working through it with them was like at my time at athletes first and they're coming to, you know, work with an NFL athlete trying to see if they want equity in their business to become a partner in it. And it was a lot of the time just like initial startups with, you know, venture money or something along those lines. And they're just trying to get a face to the brand right off the jump. And I always thought back then, like, what are you doing? (laughs) Just automatically giving away equity to this individual off some hope. So that was my only touch point with it and my immediate response to it. But the only time I would do it, like going back to what we kind of talk about a lot of the time with influencer, like seeding, affiliate, user content paid, right? Brand ambassador. And at that point, if they've proven to go through all those steps of like that funnel, then annoyed then. So like long story short, if they prove to be someone worth, you know, engaging in that sort of partnership and you want consistent content deliverables from, I think once they reach that pinnacle of you know, that flag bearer type, then it's an interesting yeah. conversation to entertain. But what about you? What are your thoughts on this? Obviously, we don't talk about this too much, but uh, it's yeah. an interesting conversation. Definitely would agree. I think the only caveat, and it's not even really a caveat to that, is just the fact that if you're going to go so large, some influencers won't even entertain working with some of these lesser known brands for if that was, if a, that was a rule wasn't involved. So I think rev share is more probably more likely for people, but 
in the past couple of years, brand equity deals with like these bigger tier influencers or YouTube influencers or TikTok influencers have been like prevalent with like Abercrombie and Fitch and Charlie, what's her name from TikTok or whatever. So it's, yeah, we've seen it coming up and I think it's like another one trick pony that people are thinking that they can get around paying upfront yeah. cash, which is true. Like, I mean, that's the pro obviously he's like, you save upfront cash maybe, but I could see big time influencers saying, yeah, I want upfront cash and I want, you know, five to 10% or even more. That's a good point. You just brought up athletes first, that agency, they actually made it a rule. You don't even entertain equity deals. Because so if you're talking to an agency that represents talent, they're incentivized again by upfront cash being paid to the talent because that's how totally. they make their money. They don't make money off equity deals. So that was actually a rule. Don't even entertain these. They need upfront cash payments. So if you're talking to an agency, you're probably not going to even, it's not even worth your time. Yeah. And then on the, on the rev share stuff, well, I'll just stick to being the, the question asker on this one. Would you do that? Even let's think of like micro influencers or like rev share, avoid upfront cash, whether it be a rev share or percentage of sales or. For sure. I mean, I would just go back to our process, kind of start with seeding. They ultimately end up posting no strings attached, produce content. Yeah. Onboard them to an affiliate program and get them going on a rev share deal at that point pay them out in the sales that they actually generate in comparison to upfront cash for sure. But then if they prove to be a top performer in your program and you want consistent deliverables, consistent content, I would then pay them upfront cash for them to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I get the next question unless you add any rebuttal to that and you want to debate, but I super on the same page. Next question. What platform should I be on? Should I expect sales? (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty vague. Yeah, I mean, I think platforms you should be on in terms of influencer marketing, like what we focus on is Instagram and TikTok. That's our recommendation. So I would focus on those in terms of, and I'm going to come back to YouTube, but TikTok, obviously it's firing on all cylinders, the potential for virality, even though we stay away from people expecting that but the potential is obviously there way more there than any other platform because it's so much focused on the content not on follower count but then on instagram there's just a variety of ways for people to post so that lends itself to a variety of different pieces of content and so if you're seeding and you're following our approach or even if you're just working with influencers in other ways there's just other ways that in addition to real type content you're getting stories and feed and images still so there's a lot of different placements if I was going straight, just pay for posts, I'd be doing YouTube. And that's the only platform that I would be doing pay for posts. Cause I think it's now we'll see with shorts if that changes a little bit, but I think it's the only platform where you, you kind of have to, uh, you can't do seating and they're not going to just throw up a, like, that's what I mean by shorts, maybe potentially changing that. They're not going to just throw up a, like a quick video on their YouTube channel just cause it's like their TV network. But if I was Cody back at Kalo today, I'd be investing a lot of my, you know, a significant amount of my budget on YouTube creators and paying them to do so. But in addition to everything else that we preach. So those three are, I think, the heavy hitters, not surprisingly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
What are your thoughts? I don't really have anything. I don't really have anything to add to it either. Yeah, those are the three platforms for sure. Seating wise, TikTok, Instagram, and I would just double down on what you're saying. YouTube, you're typically gonna have to pay to play. It's not a lot of unscripted, yeah. spontaneous. And content. on the expectation of sales, it just depends. <laughs> like if you're YouTube, I, I mean, hopefully, like you're, you're getting sales out of this. Like especially if you're gonna pay to play and. But we're probably beating a dead horse. But for if, if you're just listening to this now, like, no, you shouldn't expect sales on organic alone uh, off of these platforms if you're working with influencers on YouTube or TikTok. Uh, I mm-hmm. think you should keep your expectations at zero. And so if you get a one or above, then it's great. All right. Next rapid fire question. These aren't necessarily rapid fire, but, you know, our version of it. Uh, Does influencer marketing apply to B2B? I've gotten that question quite a lot. I think we would both say influencer marketing applies to anybody and everybody for every product, for every service. There's always somebody in that space that is going to influence you, me, C-Dub to purchase it uh, or not. I mean, just like in the in our space, digital marketing, Gary V, big time influencer. Yeah. There's something in everything, someone in every space that's going to have that sort of influence over the masses. So for sure, I think the question that we get a lot is this, because we're just huge on seating, is influencer seating applicable to right. B2B? So, I mean, what would you what would you say to that, C-Dub? I would still say yes. It's just uh, it takes some creativity on we still recommend sending out a physical product to people that represents your business. Uh, so sending them a free trial is just not going to move the needle on getting them to onboard onto your app. So oftentimes what we've seen is that sending something physical in the mail is a trigger for them to get onboarded or something outside of a, a coffee cup and a, a t-shirt that's going to get thrown in the mail or become a workout shirt. <laughs> so um, just thinking creatively around, you know, like if your business hypothetically gross sales. I know that's vague, but maybe getting something that represents growth in a creative way. Yeah. I still think it's the best approach to initiate with influencers. For sure. Of course. So without a doubt. Next thing in here, I don't know if this is rapid fire. It's like <laughs> a random assortment of questions across the spectrum. Yeah. Uh, the next one. Favorite athlete. Cody Doetics. So number four, (laughs) unboxing experience. Why are they so important? I would say that it aligns with your customer experience. So if you can think about influencer marketing closely aligned with customer experience, the better your influence marketing will be. And everyone doubles down on unboxing experience for their customers because it's like that next touch point that they have with the customer. It's you know, it's your post-purchase flow. Well, and with influence marketing, it's, it's no real difference, especially when you're doing it with seating. It's that next touch point that doubles down on a great first impression from your outreach message or your contractual, you know, negotiations. It's like, oh, wow, this brand is serious about me. They put a handwritten note or even if you didn't do that, but like the box is pretty. It has things that just make this, brand look elevated, which for us with seating, it increases post rates when brands properly invest in this. So that just means more content. And it's not all the time just about 
a ton of unboxing content either. We've seen it just like what I just said, just double down on a great first impression. So that's why I would say it's super important. Anything you would add to that? It's more likely to post as well when you see them. The yeah. The day. They're more likely to share that as content when they ultimately end up posting. And that's what you a lot of the time want. So for sure, far greater impression, far greater long-term relationship and far greater likelihood for them to actually post. So that all stems from what Cody's saying here. Thanks, Taylor, for your affirmation. What has iOS 14, 15, 16, 21 done to influence marketing? No. What is iOS 14? Maybe a little quick 15-second blurb on what iOS 14 <laughs> is. What has it done to influence marketing? Uh, iOS 14, attribution, attribution, attribution. I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's just a, it's not an effectiveness issue uh, across paid social, but it's visibility and attribution. So a lot of people, iOS 14, people have the ability on an individual basis to opt in or opt out of being tracked. And so with people opting out, your ad account dashboard on Facebook per se is going to lose its ability to attribute sales to someone that opted out of being tracked. So really iOS 14 is all about attribution, attribution, attribution. We lost some visibility into it across acquisition channels, unfortunately. But how do you think it impacted influencer marketing? Well, that was my question. Well, you said I take the 15-second blurb, so... <laughs> All right. I won't argue. Uh, what has it done to influence marketing? I mean, really simply, it's grown influence marketing because people sure. are trying to diversify, which I would say, yes, that's good. A lot of times people come to our door and say, yeah, iOS 14, Facebook ads have gone through <laughs> bad. I'm trying to diversify. And then we turn around and say, well, we're just going to basically get a bunch of content for your ad creative because we've seen it work. And it's funny, I was talking to a guy yesterday and it's just like, there's all these people saying that, you know, Facebook is not working uh, yet. Like every smart business owner and people that we're talking to is seeing it work uh, across the board. So yeah, the short answer is it's grown influence marketing. People are expanding into it because they feel like they they have to yeah they're fearful they see their ROAS and their ad account go from a 2 to 1.5 and they just assume that that's the new ROAS when in reality it's probably not mm. and you're just losing visibility into that 0.5 difference so don't freak out keep going and test everything <laughs> yeah uh, you, you're asking me this time Sure. All right. So this is questions from Twitter. Favorite influencer marketing tools or software? Taylor, hit them. Take it through the tech stack of Kinship. You heard it here. <laughs> Identification, we got Aspire. Previously used Tagger, made the transition. Highly recommend Aspire. Two, for outreach, we use Mail Meteor. It's not really like an influencer tool per se, but it can be a great tool for outreach. For content collection and social listening, we use a tool called Mighty Scout. That's just going to let you know who posts what and when. We use the seeding app on Shopify to be able to mass send out your products at scale. 
sending out products one at a time and a one-off basis and zeroing out those orders is a nightmare. Don't ask anybody about that that's done that. You'll get anger and frustration. So that will help that. And then that's really it. Meta. Right? <laughs> TikTok. Meta, yeah, of course. Oh, what actual, what actual tools? Yeah. Yeah. Instagram, TikTok, for sure, Meta all the above. And then, I mean, you just have those free identification tools, right? Instagram brand collabs manager, meta brand collabs manager, TikTok creator marketplace, sorry, yeah. Instagram creator marketplace, TikTok creator marketplace, and meta Facebook yeah. uh, brand collabs manager, all free identification tools. Word vomit, lots of tools. Go use well, them Well, I mean, that, go- that goes on to one of the questions that you already hit on was tools to find influencers. You already mentioned some of those. Do you want to retouch on those. So you said Aspire, some of the free ones you just mentioned were, or maybe yeah. I'll just touch on them. <laughs> touch on it. Recap uh, TikTok Creator Marketplace is free if you're going to want to work with TikTok influencers. Instagram itself, drop down arrow, or there's Instagram collabs or Instagram, what is it called now? Instagram for creators? Instagram That's, Creator Marketplace within the business manager is what it's called. Okay. Yeah. There's Shopify collabs. That's free. That's Shopify app that used to be called Dovetail. I've heard terrible reviews, so don't use it. Same. And but those are free social tools. Snowball. Then, Ooh, forgot a tool. Love the uh, Dovetail social snowball. shout out. Yeah, Come there you go. On. <laughs> I love it. The recap. All right. Well, this is good. Talk about Aspire real quick, because the next question in here from Twitter was. Tool to examine if influencers' metrics are not compromised using fake likes or views. Also, should an influencer be independent or signed up with an agency? I would imagine the context of this question is that are they more official? Or are you working with someone who signed up with an agency or should they be independent? But talk about the, the tool to find fake followers, fake views or anything like that, whether Aspire can do that. The free tools can't, but yeah, the tools what you're typically paying for, which we do typically give you a little bit more robust capabilities. And yeah, like Aspire is able to definitely showcase like how many authentic followers do they have or how much authentic engagement do they have, excluding things like bots per se. But this is interesting, like on the topic of ID, influencer identification, we'd be remiss not to bring up Grin here and what they just went through that just kind of reminded me. Yeah, something to be cognizant of with your identification tool, if you're going to vet one of which one you want to ultimately use, a question you just need to ask is how do you get your data, your influencer Mm. data? And if it's not first-party data, and just define first-party data, that means they either get their information from influencers opting into sharing that information, or they get that information directly from Meta, if it's for Facebook or Instagram, or if it's from TikTok and they get it directly from TikTok. If they Mm -hmm. say we get our data from a third-party source, that is not a sustainable option to move forward with. It's against Meta and TikTok's policies. If they find someone that's using a third party to get their data on influencers for identification, they're going to shut them down in the way that they just barred Grin. So that's what just happened to Grin. They were getting their data from a third-party source. Facebook's throwing the cuffs on them right now. So that's just something to be aware of. They're, they're axing everybody right now. Currently 13,000 employees too. It's wild. Is Grinness 13,000? No, Facebook. Oh, I was about to say, whoa. 
<laughs> Didn't know they were that big. Yeah. Wild. So that's the ID front. I went off on a little bit of a tangent there. Um, no, that's good. Glad you brought that up. What I'll let you. I'll, I'll throw the pass to you here on the second and second part of that question. Yeah, should influencers be represented by agents or not? The reason why this is one of the questions that can should you start with micro influencers? Yes. Define a micro influencer. We would say it's one hundred fifty thousand of following and under. So broad on purpose, but usually we found that, and it's probably becoming less and less, but usually those folks are not represented by an agent. So you're not dealing with someone else in their inbox. But I mean, even a couple of years ago, you saw influencers with 20,000 followers that have an agent or whatever. Especially on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. You're definitely going to run into that on YouTube. Why don't you want to talk to an agent though? One, there's a conflict of interest. And oftentimes it's really hard to start with seeding. And, but a lot of times it's also just unavoidable. If you really want to work with this person, I don't care if they're independent or they have an agent. If the agent's willing to listen, like for me at Kalo, it was unavoidable to not go through an agent, especially because we're doing so much like macro celebrity stuff. But still the same premise that we have today was, well, we're not going to work with your client if they're not a lover of the product. So like I need to seed in the product first before we can ever start talking about a deal. So if you're going to follow that advice, which we would say is is good, then <laughs> if an agent's willing to say yes, then that's fine. But if I had to pick one, I would, and it was like either or, then independent would just be a lot easier just because you're not talking with middleman. Right, for sure. So, all right. Last couple here. How to find the true cost of a creator, I think is probably interesting. I'm convinced the only way you you can do it is taking them through that funnel. Mm. Seating. What is it? Because the cost, a true cost is how much value that they provide to your brand uh, and your product, the true cost. So taking them through like where you seed them, okay, after they post of their own free will, free of cost, Okay, onboard, use that content into paid media. How did that content perform in paid media? Onboard them to affiliate program. When they post, how many sales do they generate? Okay, and then measure the value of that content in paid media. Measure the value of that content being posted organically. What did it drive? Okay, if it drove $1,000 off, how much did it cost? Okay, what's your ROI there? And at that point, what kind of ROI are you after? That's the cost that you want to pay at the end of the day for them to continue to do that on your behalf. That's the only way I would really know how to answer that question uh-huh. to get what you should pay each influencer in the way uh, on behalf of your brand specifically. Yeah. But I don't know. How would you go about that? I think you nailed it. Frick yeah. It's such a rarity here on the Kinship Podcast. Come Shut on. Shut up. Last question. What's the right method to choose influencers to work with? Still feels like the lottery, even when their engagement rate is good. <laughs> I can't say this answer again. I'm just a dead horse at this point, so I'm going to let you take it. Uh, I mean, video content creation building, number one, but quantitative metrics do matter. They just don't as matter as much as people think. So I look at fake followers. You can see that even without a paid tool, which like on a click of a button, will give you that. You can just see extremely high or low combination of likes and comments compared to follower count. 
Yeah. So picture 20 likes to 20,000 followers or even the reverse 20,000 likes to 20,000 followers. I'd look at, are they active on the platform? So they're posting consistently. Their last post wasn't a year ago or even six months ago, but they're posting ideally daily, either on stories or just on all platforms. And then engagement rate 1% or above, just because we're not overvaluing on platform engagement. Ideally, it's 5 7 10%, but in terms of just picking people to actually see product with, especially since we're not paying them, you know, if I was paying somebody, I would want obviously engagement rate way higher than that. But it's their video content creation ability. It's them being charismatic, comfortable, creative on camera. That's what's going to sell and you want to repurpose that content. And that's the banger we're going to end with. All right. That's what it's all about, baby. We got that's one minute left before we th- hit the 30-minute mark. And this is supposed to be rapid-fire influencer marketing questions. And it wasn't rapid-fire at all, Cody and Taylor. Freaking 30-minute so commute to work and right on that money. Cody puts so. the itinerary together. <laughs> I do. Bye. All right. We'll have more of an agenda. All right. Sweet and sour sauce. All right. That's all for today. If you'd like some help developing your influencer marketing campaign, go ahead and DM us on Twitter. Links are in the description. Or you can head to kinship.co to learn more and you can book a call there. That's K-Y-N-S-H-I-P dot C-O. At kinship.co, you also find tools, templates, and resources all designed to help you grow an influencer campaign that drives visibility and sales, not just likes. Thanks for tuning in as always, and we'll see you next week.